Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heath Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. I mean, I don't hear nothing that you're saying. What What are you saying? I'm, I'm even for the church. I'm like God. I'm looking. I'm looking for what you want me to do next. I, I'm here. I did everything up to this point, but that's all I feel. I'm up to this point. I'm ready for what's What's next? What do you want me to do next? I don't hear nothing. What you What What is next? I don't want to take the wrong step because I mean, no. If you take the wrong step, you might walk off the ledge. So you don't want to walk off the ledge, but you don't. You don't want to just keep sitting, sitting, and leaving. All right, come on. What are you doing in silence? What do you do when the silence is there and the silence can almost become deafening? How many know it can get so quiet that that you almost go like you say you go deaf? The silence can be loud. Yeah. You can hear a pin drop. And how many know that we don't like silence? We don't like it to be quiet. Some of us don't like to be quiet so much. We 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 sleep with TVs. We turn radios on. We call folks on phones. We texting folks. We doing whatever we can to keep the silence because silence is silence is is scary. Because you like I don't hear nothing. I don't see nothing. I don't feel nothing. Nothing is going on. Silence becomes very scary. But how many know that in that silence, God is trying to teach something? Yeah. Because how many know that in the in the in the natural? I know the kids just finished the CRCT. Here you go, kids. I say I'm gonna get you in here. Might not be as much as you want, but here you go. When you was taking the CRCT. What did the teacher tell you to do? Say that again. Study. That's a good one. Be quiet. Be quiet. You can't talk during a test, right? But also what? Does the teacher talk during a test? Yes. At the beginning. If your teacher talks during a test, we need to talk to your teacher. <laughs> How can you study when you're, how can you do your test? But at the beginning, you might be talking about at the beginning, they tell y'all all the instructions, right? They tell you what to do, what, how to fill it in, where to write your name, do all that, whatever they do, they tell you the instructions. But they, um, they like. They what? Okay, if you're not doing it. They won't talk if you're doing your work. Amen? See, so I hope some of y'all catching that. Because they'll talk and they'll talk and give you the instructions. And then if you're not doing your work, they talk again to put you back on task. But for the most part, doing a test, and she said they tell you to do what? Be quiet. And also doing a test, they are quiet. Catch that. They give you the instructions up front, then everything goes quiet, silent. Why? Because during a test, somebody catch this, during a test, the teacher will always be quiet. Why? Because they already taught you everything you need to know. Already taught you everything you need to know. So if you are praying to God and you're trying to receive from God and you're in the middle of this test in your life and you don't hear nothing from God, all God is saying is, I have taught you everything you need to know to pass this test. Now, I ain't talking about the test tomorrow or next week, but this one you in right now, if you're not hearing me right now, if you're not receiving from me right now, it might be because I've already given you instruction. I've already taught you everything you need to know. Now, all you got to do is what? Pass. Pass. But we don't like the silence. A lot of us 
in that silence start to daydream. We start to we start to drift off, like some of us might be doing now. We drift off, and we go into our own little world, and and, and then next thing you know, the test is over, and we don't pass. And when we don't pass, we got to do what? Take it again. But see, when you pass a test, just like in the in the world, when you pass a test, you do what? You get promoted. You get elevated. Well, the same thing is in the spirit. When we pass these tests that we're in, we get promoted. We get elevated, and God gets the glory. Amen? Amen. But let's talk about somebody who, who did have silence, because God just brought it to my mind with, with this one. And we talk about him. I like like talking about him because he you can tell his story in so many different ways. But but we're talking about the prophet Elijah. And turn to first Kings chapter 19. Because if never a time there was silence in somebody's life, it was it was at this moment in Elijah's life. First Kings chapter 19. Let me see. First, yeah, First Kings, and chapter nineteen, starting at. Let me see. Uh, chapter nineteen, starting at verse. I'm gonna start at verse. I'm gonna start at verse nine. And then it says, "Then he came to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah?' He said, "I have been." Very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse 11, so he said, God is saying this, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in all that noise. He was not in the wind. And then it says, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then in verse 12, it says, after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Then in verse 15, it said, the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel, Haziel, king over Aaron. And I'll stop right there. What we have right here is Elijah has found himself in this cave running from Jezebel. We know the story because we've talked about it in a different aspect here before, but for those who just need a jog your memory, Jezebel has sent a letter to Elijah or sent a letter by a messenger to Elijah and Elijah has received his letter and is saying that basically she's going to have him killed. Or she's going to kill him. And he runs because he's afraid. And he sits down in this cave. In the prior verses before that, he's so afraid and so depressed about what's going on that he says, Lord, you might as well just take my life. He says, because there's none, there's none left like me. Everybody's doing what they want to do and nothing, nothing is going right and all this stuff. And now this woman want to kill me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm on the run. He said, just take my life. And then he goes in his cave and, and I got to believe in his cave. That, that was, that was that silence. Because it says that the that the mountain split apart, but God wasn't in the in there. The earthquake, God was not there. The fire, God was not there. See, Elijah was looking for God in, in these things because see, Elijah had just called the fire of God down from the heavens and had killed a whole bunch of Jezebel's prophets, false prophets. So he was used to seeing God move in his life. Amen. But now he's seeing all these miraculous things happen. But as the scripture says, what? God was not in the wind. God was not in the earthquake. 
God was not in the fire. How many know at that point, Elijah got to be like, God, where are you? Where are you? Because, and I like how the scripture does it because it, it, it shows, it shows, it shows this progression of the mountain splitting and, and then the earthquake and then the fire. So I can imagine Elijah sitting there and he's saying, that when the mountain split, he's like, I don't even see God. I don't even hear God. And then the earthquake happens. He's like, I don't even hear God. But how many know when the fire show up, he probably like, okay, okay. That, that I know that, that my boy on the scene now, that's God now. But then he say, he was not there. Imagine how he felt in that silence. Because see, that fire he had saw before. He had saw God come down in that fire before. So I got to believe that when he saw that fire the second time, he had to think that, okay, I'm going to hear from God now. I'm going to hear what God is saying now. But he said that God was not in the fire. How many know that we can have that experience a lot of times too? We, we used to God operating in our life a certain way or operating through somebody or, or, you know, or when they pray for you and things happen. And so we like, I know, I know a sister so and so called me. All I do, she gonna get the prayer through. But now sister so and so done prayed for you and you still in the same situation. Where is God? Now you start saying, I don't know, she must not be living right. So so and so used to get some prayer through. Now she, she, I'm still messed up. Matter of fact, I'm worse. She must be cursed. I ain't let her put her hands on me no more. And it has nothing to do with sister so-and-so. God is saying, you know what? No, I need to be silent. See, because what does what God does, He awakens our our He awakens our spirit with signs and wonders. With signs and wonders. That's how he awakens us. And for some people, it takes miracles to bring them closer to God. It takes the mountain splitting and the earthquake, the, the earth moving around them, so to speak, you know, for them to believe in God. It takes that miraculous money showing up to pay that bill. Or, or it takes that miraculous healing for somebody in that family to see there is a God. But that just wakens them up to believing. But it takes the voice of God to fully receive who he is. To fully receive who he is. See, so we have right here Elijah sitting in this in this cave, and he's saying, Okay, God, I, I see all this stuff going on around, but I don't I don't hear anything. I don't I don't hear anything. But see, what we gotta remember one is that silence is not absence. God's silence does not mean that God is not there. It just means that that you're not in the right place. God is not speaking through those things. God is not operating through those things. See, we can't get so caught up in tradition thinking that that's how it's always going to be. This is what I always did. This is how it's always been. So I expect God to do this. See, that's what happened to the people when God actually came. They was used to walking them around in a box in the call to art, but it was basically a box, a fancy box. They used to him walking around in the box. So when he decided to show up as Emmanuel, the God that is actually living amongst them, they like, hold up, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You you outside the box now. And God said, yeah, you got to take your thinking outside the box. Because I, you, you, I was in the box at one point, but now I'm with you. You can actually have me. You can actually touch me. You can actually... You can actually communicate with me. And you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through the, the prophet. You don't have to go through the pastor. You can actually come directly to me. Think outside the box. See, silence doesn't mean absence. Silence doesn't mean absence. See, I think a lot of times what happens is God wants us to get into that silence because it brings solitude. It brings solitude. What do I mean by that? A lot of us are so busy. We like that 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 Martha, you know, doing everything. I gotta clean, I gotta prepare, I gotta get ready. We we some of us just busy to be busy, just so that we can say we busy. <laughs> Not really getting nothing accomplished, just just doing stuff. Doing stuff. Just like the people talking about multitasking. Multitasking is a is a is a louder enemy. You cannot multitask. There's no such thing. It all multitasking means is that you just you just halfway good at a lot of stuff. But you have perfected none. You can't do a lot of stuff at the same time. Something is getting dropped. 
But God is saying, when I'm when I'm silent with you, that means I want you to I want you to cut off all that noise. So I want you to recognize that I'm not talking to you. So if I'm not talking to you, then what is? Mm, come on, that's good. What is? See, cause sometimes when, when, when mama them talking, the job talking, the kids talking, the finances talking, when all the issues and problems of life and situations of life, when they all talking, God is trying to talk too, but he can't get a word in edgewise. So he say, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just shut up. I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna stop talking. Just like how your mama do. You know what? You, you, you ain't, you're going in one end after another. I can show you better than I can tell you. I can show you better than I can tell you. When your mama say that, you know it's time to right what? It's time to straighten up. Cause that means all the talking does stop, all the, all that stuff does cease, all that going back and forth. I can show you better than I can tell you. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, I can show you better than I can tell you. In, in the silence, in the silence of, of me not speaking, I can show you solitude. I can show you that you need to really cut out all the noise. And some of us need to do that. We need to cut out this noise in our life. A lot of us got a bunch of noise in our life. It's like having about five different radios on with five different radio stations. You can't discern any of the songs. After a while, it all becomes a hodgepodge. It all becomes one big noise. God says, get to, get to yourself. It's okay sometimes to separate and to be to yourself. It doesn't mean that you cutting people off. It don't mean that you treating people wrong. You ain't even got to make no announcements. I just need to um, take some time off of Facebook and, you know, and I'm going to announce to everybody. I'm going to post it and I'm coming. I ain't never coming back on here and all this kind of It don't take all that. Just step away. Just step away. Just step away. Just step away for your time because, see, you got to understand that that you're not hearing from God right now. And you need to know that, okay, I want to make sure there ain't nothing that I'm doing. I want to make sure there's no influences that I'm receiving. I need to make sure because sometimes the only reason we ain't hearing from God is because we're doing wrong. Amen? Let's keep it 100. God ain't going to bless no mess. Amen? Because he's like, if I bless you right now, that's just like giving a fool some money. It's going to soon part. you just going to audition the blessing. And how many know God don't want to audition blessing? He wants you to keep that thing. Yes. So he's saying, I need you to get in the solitude. I need you to get by yourself. Because see, when you get by yourself, it's something about being by yourself. Now, it doesn't mean he wants you to be alone all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he wants you to get to yourself. Because, see, when you get to yourself, a lot of times that's why we don't like to be by ourselves because it makes you look at yourself. See, when you by yourself, you got to look at yourself. And a lot of us don't like what we see. So that's why we bring friends along. That's why we bring boyfriends, girlfriends. We bring all these attachments, so so much attachments to our life that we don't even know ourselves. We are defined by what's attached to us. We are defined by what's attached to it. I'm a, I'm a football player, so I'm attached to that. I'm a basketball player. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a girlfriend. I'm a student. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm all these things, but you don't even know who you are. Because as soon as those attachments leave, then who am I? Who am I? That's how that's how uh, people end up. I was looking at the story about Terrell Owens. And he was in, in court talking about, you know, he has no employable skills. He can't pay his child support because he don't know what to do outside of football. See, that's called an attachment. See, when, when that thing defines who you are and without that thing you no longer are, then that's an attachment. Yes. Because, see, when you define yourself as a son of God, guess what? God ain't never going nowhere. He's eternal. See, all this stuff we attach to us, that can lead. Your status on your job can lead. Your status in the football team can lead. Your status as a husband and wife, it can lead, unfortunately, sometimes. All that stuff can lead. So is that defining who you are? God says, you know what? Get by yourself so you can know who you are. Yeah. Remove all that stuff. Say, God, if all this stuff is removed around me, who am I? Yes. Who am I? And that's what God was doing to Elijah. He said, he said, all this stuff is being removed. You, you in this cave. You by yourself. Who are you, Elijah? That's why he asked that question that we talked about a while ago is, why are you here? Because he was trying to get Elijah to see, who are you? 
Because why are you here? Out of all the people, why are you here? Who are you? But you don't know that until you get by yourself. And then you can hear from God. And it says what? Faith come by hearing and what? Hearing the word of God. But silence does not mean absence. Amen? Get that. Silence does not mean absence. Just because God is not speaking to you don't mean God is gone. Don't mean God is forsaken. Matter of fact, I don't want I don't want you to believe me. Believe the word. Turn to Psalms, turn to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Because we don't never want to say, Pastor said God ain't gonna never leave. No, Pastor just repeating what the words say. The words say that he'll never leave you. Psalms one, yeah, one thirty nine, and I'm looking at verse Psalms one thirty nine, starting at verse seven. It says, "Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol." Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will not will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Jesus. And the night is as bright as the day, and darkness and light are alike to you. What is all that saying? What I just said. He ain't going nowhere. Silence does not mean absence. He said, and he broke it down to you real plain and simple. He said, if I sin to heaven, you there. And then he said, if I make my bed in Sheol, that ain't, that, that's a synonym for hell. He said, even if I make my bed in hell, you there. He said, so from heaven to hell, you there. From head to toe, you there. From east to west, you there. From right to left, you there. So silence does not mean absence. Wherever you are, God is. Yes. That's why you need to check sometimes where you are. Uh -uh. And what you're doing while you there. Because yes. God down with you. <laughs> God right down with you. God right down with you. So when you're drinking what you're drinking, when you're smoking what you're smoking, and when you're nicking and dipping what you're nicking and dipping, God is right down with you. Amen. I ain't said the word said. The word said it. Amen. So take that over with him. I'm just a UPS man dropping the package off. Amen. Silence is not absence. Silence is not absence. See what silence I think does, it it, it checks our trust level. Yes, thank you, God. It, 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 it checks our trust level. Do we really trust God? See, because there's a, there's a moment between the instructions that you've received, like we talked about on the test. There's a moment between that instruction and, and that silence that occurs and then you getting the grade back. But then that silence is that, is that trust kind. Did, do I trust what the teacher taught me? Do I trust that I received? What the teacher taught me. That's even more important. Because see the teacher going to teach what they supposed to teach. Well not all of them. But we're going to pretend. We're going to pretend. Amen. We're going to pretend that. But we know that God is right. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So we know that he's going to teach us everything that we need to know. But have we received it all? See it's a trust thing that goes on in the silence. Do I trust God in giving me everything? And do I trust myself in receiving it all? See, that's the thing. See, we got to realize uh, it, we can't make what we believe in the litmus test of God's love. And what do I mean by litmus test? See, litmus test is basically when you when you you trying to you trying to measure something. Is it is it approval? Is is or kind of like almost like a drug test? How they'll take the you, you know you you. You you take the um, urine and you look at the little thing and if it if it's the same color as the as the paper that they measure it by then you fail, so to speak. Well, that's what I think a lot of times we do with God in our trust. We pray for this thing and then He goes silent. Now because that thing doesn't show up, now that's our litmus test to God's love for us, for God's trust and faith to, to us. We say, well, God, you didn't. This didn't happen. I can't even hear from you. So. 
You must not be there. You must not care. You must not love me no more. What's the problem? See, now we start saying, we start putting it all back on him. You didn't teach me right. You didn't make me study right. You didn't, kind of how we do with real teachers in the real world. And then we get to the point where we realize that the test is about to be failed. Now we want to come back and get extra credit points. We want to say, well, God, if I if I tithe a little more, if I give a little more, if I say one more prayer a little bit more. No, God ain't. This ain't the old school. This ain't Catholic religion that you're supposed to. We can't give penance. We can't give all these Hail Marys and everything be all right. You don't get extra credit for your Hail Mary. You don't get extra credit just because you decide to go to church all four Sundays of the month. You don't, God don't give you extra credit. God said that you are righteous from the jump, that he made his son righteous. He said, so you got it all for free in the first place. So you can't do nothing extra. All you got to do is do it. Amen? Amen. But see, it, 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 it tests our trust level because we looking at, we looking at, God, I can't hear you, so help me to Get through this thing. But see what that trust level really is trying to, what God is really trying to do with that silence is get us to surrender. Yeah. To surrender. Because see, when you surrender, that means that you what? Give up. That means that you turn your will over to him. You, you put your hands up. You put your hands up. Kind of like when, when the, when the police arrest folks, what do they do? They tell them, first of all, put their hands up. Yeah. Why? Because that's showing that you're not going to take any more action. You're not going to take any more action. Right? Then they say, what? Put your hands behind your back. Somebody say, how pastor know all that? Pastor, <laughs> pastor don't get arrested before. It's all good. Amen? Then I've done that. And don't really want to do it again. Amen? Amen? Then they say, put your hands behind your back. Because they do what? Then they, they cuffing you. They cuffing you. And then they put you in the car and they take you on and they process you. They process you, right? They take your picture. I'm going somewhere with this. Follow this. Follow this. Then they, they take your picture, right? To, to, to check to see if you got other warrants and, and outstanding stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? God is saying and doing the same thing in that sound. He's saying, you know what? You need to surrender. Put your hands up so I can see that you're not going to take no more action with this thing. So that I can see that you ain't going to keep trying to manipulate and twist and turn this thing. Put your hands up. I want to see if you're really going to surrender. If you're really going to stop taking action. Now put your hands behind your back because that way now I can cuff you with the word. I can know that you ain't going to try to get away. I can know that you ain't going to try to do nothing. Now go ahead and get in the car because we got some places I'm trying to take you. I got some places I'm trying to take you to. Yeah, now come on in here so I can I can take your picture because I need to look through the word to make sure that I can convict you with this word. That I can see that in this word I can see you and you can see yourself in this word. Yes, that's good. Surrender. Oh, that's good. God is the popo. <laughs> Man down. Amen. He said that you got to surrender. Surrender. Because what does Proverbs say? It says what? Trust in God and lean not to what? Your own understanding. Lean not. And I like that word. It says lean not to your own understanding. So that means, what, what's leaning? Leaning, you ain't even upright. You leaning to the side. So that's what your own understanding going to get you. You're going to be leaning. You ain't even going to get it all balanced in the first place. Your own understanding is out of balance. This is what you look like with your own understanding. You out of balance. You ain't going to get it. Go to the teacher so now you can get right. So that you can line up. Some of us walking around with spiritual scoliosis. God saying, you know what? It's time to come up here and get your back lined up. Surrender. Surrender. Amen. It's time to surrender. Don't believe me? Let's go to the word. Psalms chapter 9. Psalms chapter 9. Back we just left Psalm. Just go up a hundred more books, hundred more chapters. Psalms, what I said? 39. That's where we were, but now I want you to go where? Well. Psalms 9. Somewhere. I think I said Psalms 9. We'll we'll get there and see what happened. Amen. Nine, nine. I think I said nine. We're gonna get there and see what happens. Amen. We running with this on, you know. <laughs> 
I'm trusting God. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I think this is it. Let's see. Psalm 9. Here we go. Uh, yeah, here we go. Verse. Let's start at verse. Yeah, let's look at verse 10. That is. It says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Boom, that's the linchpin right there. See, it says that everybody like to quote that scripture. God, not this particular one, but the other one where it says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. But see, we got we got a little magic right here, not magic, but a little a little key right here that says that you have not forsaken those who seek you. Mm. That's good. Mm. See, some of us love to quote that thing. God ain't gonna never save you, but are you seeking Him? God said He ain't gonna never save you or leave you, but have you left Him? Will you surrender to Him? Are you seeking Him? Because then it says in other scriptures, what? Seek Him first and His righteousness, and guess what? All these things will be added to you. But it says, have not forsaken those who seek you. Mm. Then it says, back up in the A clause, it says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. Uh -huh. So if you ain't fully trusting God, then guess what? That means you might not know his name. Come on. Mm. And I'm talking to myself because, see, some of us can trust God in one aspect, but then we can't trust him in another. See, can't nobody tell me nothing about God and healing. I trust him 100% in that. He's Jehovah Rapha. I know his name. Amen. But now I'm a little shaking when it come over here with the money now. Because I'm like, I like all my bills to be paid. How some of these folks like, I just stepped out on faith. I left my job and everything. I'm like, God, hold up, man. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. Hold up, God. We ain't ready for that right now. My faith ain't grew down yet. See, I don't... I'm still getting to know your name as Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. See, I don't fully know you as Jehovah Jireh. Yes, you have provided before. Yeah. I can know you show up before. But God, let me keep my job just a little while longer. Because I, I got to finish knowing your name. Amen. Because you can't step out there for play play. You can't step out there but thinking you know his name and saying, you know what? I'm going to quit my job because Jehovah Jireh is my provider. <laughs> That's real talk. I know. And but because Bank of America don't care about Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> so you can't go to you can't go to Georgia Power and say let there be light. <laughs> you can, but they gonna say let it be cut off. Amen. <laughs> now don't get me wrong. God can provide miraculous. He can yes. do all this. You can go to Georgia Power and say let there be light. And if something happened to that person, they be like, oh, I'm a Christian too, and I'm gonna help you. But I like to be practical with this thing. Amen. Don't be running up to George Powell saying, let there be light and you $300 in the hole. It just, it might not work out in your favor. Amen. You might need to say, God, let me find where I need $300 legally. Amen. I'm just, you know, let's just be practical with this thing. We keep putting God out here on this thing and we set him up to fail with our own mess. But he says, what? Well, I have not forsaken those who seek me. So silence, we talking about that, goes back to surrendering to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just put your hands up. You're under arrest. Mm -hmm. Everybody in here, we should be under arrest. Come on. Just put your hands up. Everybody, put your hands up. Submit. You're under arrest. Yeah. You're under arrest. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. you already, it tells us that we all sinners, so we're guilty of something. We get, ain't nobody in here can't say that they ain't guilty or something. Yeah. Myself included. I'm right and wrong both in the same day. Probably standing up here sometime. Amen? Amen. So go ahead and get locked up. Amen? Amen. Get locked up. Because here's the thing. You're going to be locked up with something. Yes. You're going to be attached to something. You're going to be bound by something. So you might as well get bound, locked up, and attached to God. Amen? Amen. So we saying what silence doesn't mean absence. Silence is really checking your trust. It's checking, do you really trust God? But then I like how it closed out in Elijah. If you remember the story that once Elijah heard God, he heard God speak through this, through this, uh, through this small, it says a small, still voice. Mm -hmm. 
See, I think what God was even showing Elijah and was showing us it, it was a transition. Because you remember it said the earth, it said the mountains, the earthquake, and the fire. Those were all earthly things. Those were all those were all things that were that were harsh and 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 and, and, and bound by the natural. Yeah. But then it says that he spoke to him through a small voice. See, to me, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the Christ. That's the word of God. So God was showing Elijah right then and now. He said, he says, y'all been used to things happening this way. Y'all been used to the earth moving and the earth shaking and doing all that kind of stuff. He said, but I'm finna come a whole new way. I'm coming in a way where everybody can receive it, where everybody can get it, because everybody can heal. Some people say, well, deaf people can't heal. They can heal God. Amen. Blind people can see God. Yes. See, some of us can see but still blind. Amen? Mm-hmm. You'll catch that later if you didn't. Yes. Amen. But he showed up in the word because it was showing us a transition between the law and now grace. Law and grace. God is saying in that silence, I'm bringing you up out of, I'm, I'm transitioning some things. There's some things that I'm trying to get to you, but you can't receive them in this dimension, in this dimension of noise, in this dimension of chaos and confusion. No, you can only receive it in this dimension of silence, where only my word can get through to you, where only my truth can get through to you, where only my promise can get through to you. See, we got to remember what the promise said. We got to remember what the promise can do. Amen. Think about Abraham. When God said, you know what? I'm going to give you all, I'm going to give you the descendants, this, that, and the other. Now he got Isaac right here, and now God says, kill him. Sacrifice him. That's the word Abraham heard. So Abraham takes his son up to the mountain. Now imagine that, walk up to the mountain. Now Isaac did say, God, I, I see the wood, and I, I see all the other stuff, but, 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 but what a sacrifice. <laughs> Uh, hold up for a minute, dude. You know, I know God. I believe what you said about God. And I believe what God said. And I know we're supposed to sacrifice something. But I, I see the wood and I see the, the core. But I don't see no sacrifice. But then I like the scripture because it don't say nothing else after that. So that means silence happened. Now imagine that silence. You got you got Abraham. He's silent in his mind. And he's thinking whatever he's thinking like. God, what, what are you going to do? This is my son. I don't want to kill the promise. I don't want to kill what you gave me. This is the promise that you said. But now imagine the silence that Isaac was having. Imagine that silence. Because you know your daddy going to do whatever God said do. And God said, sacrifice or uh, give up a sacrifice to him. But you don't see no sacrifice. But, but Abraham left his son with something in that signs and instruction. What do he say? The God will provide. Yes. God will provide. So they walked on that silence. They walked on that silence because they walked on the promise. God says in your moment of silence right now that you may be going through don't walk in the silence. Walk in the hearing of my promise. Walk in the word that I spoke to you. Walk in the thing knowing. And then see, the only reason that Abraham could even say that God will provide because he went all the way back to the original promise where I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the sinners that will number the stars and the sand. So how could God say he gonna give me all that and take away the very thing that promised me to do that? Yes. God can't do that. But he want to test, test your trust level. But then I like how in the scripture, Abraham, when he does get, a lot of people skip right over it. And if I was a scripture quote, I'd be able to find it. But you can Google where Abraham's story is, what I'm talking about. But Abraham tells his people who are with him, when he pulled him and he pulled Isaac off the little mule and they get up and they start walking. I can see him in the see him in the real life, but in the scripture he even said, he tell him, we'll be back. He didn't say, I'll be back. He said, we'll be back. Now, the very thing that he's going up to sacrifice, he's saying, you know what? 
we gonna be back. Cause I know a God that's still God. I believe that God's gonna do something up here. He gonna do some things. I don't hear him right now. I don't know what he's saying right now, but I know what he said. So for right now, I gotta walk on what he said. So in this silence, you gotta walk on what he said. You might not be hearing nothing right now, but walk on what he said yesterday. Walk on what he said the day before that. And I ain't saying walk on what mama said. I ain't saying walk on what the pastor said. I'm saying walk on what God told you. He done promised you something, and if it ain't came to pass yet, you gotta keep on walking, even in the silence. Even in the silence. Because he said, we will be back. We will be back. So that's what you got to tell your promise. We will be back. We will be back because God will provide. God will provide. And see, that's what Elijah had to come to the conclusion of, is that God was still God. Silence doesn't mean that nothing is happening. Silence don't mean nothing is happening. We said it meant, first of all, that it doesn't mean that God is absent. Then it means that he's checking our trust level. But most importantly, it don't mean nothing ain't happening. See, that's the beauty part. See, we ought to rejoice right there. Just because it's quiet right now, just because ain't nothing going on right now, just because you planted that seed, but you don't see no fruit right now, that don't mean ain't nothing happening. See, there's a lot of things that go on when you plant that seed. See, that seed got to, first of all, it's got to break out of its own shell first. Then it's got to find its way in that dirt and get comfortable down there. Then it's got to grow roots down first. Then it's got to start spreading out a little bit so they can get down to the to the to the water, the underground water, especially especially if it's a big tree. So then, after that, it starts to sprout up out the ground. It's got to fight through that ground. See, just because you don't see the fruit yet, don't mean ain't nothing happening. And that's what we got to realize. Don't lose your promise in the silence. Don't abort your seed in the silence. It's a whole period of time where ain't nothing going to happen, where ain't nothing going on. But it don't mean it ain't nothing happening. Don't mean ain't nothing happening. That's why God can tell you in the scripture that, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy come in the morning. See, it's something that happens in that transition. How do you go from weeping to joy without nothing happening? It don't just happen instantaneously. It don't happen by magic and hocus pocus. No, that means that God was moving something while you were sitting there crying and complaining and upset and frustrated. God says, I'm making some thing happen. I'm making some moves. That's how you can go from weeping at night to joy in the morning. Because God said, my silence don't mean ain't nothing happening. It don't mean ain't nothing going on. I'm checking some things. I'm moving some things. I'm doing some things. I'm checking to see if you sitting down like I told you to. I'm checking to see if you going to shut up. See, some of our silence need to be our own mouth shutting up. Shut up talking that crazy talk. Shut up saying all that stupid stuff to yourself. Shut up talking to other people like you ain't got no sin. God said, be quiet. Yeah. My goodness. That's what he's saying. And sometimes we, he says what? All right, that ain't me saying it. It's God. He says what? It's not what go into a man. It's what come out of him that defiles a man. It says what? That the, the, the power of life and death is well in the tongue. So sometimes God just needs us to be quiet from our own self. Because some of us, our own worst enemies is ourselves. Is ourselves. If we could just stop beating ourselves down. That's what Elijah was sitting up in that cave doing. Woe is me. Oh Lord. I, I'm the only one left. And, and he repeats it to God. We saw the script. He said it twice to God. Like, oh God, I'm the last one. Oh God, I'm the last one. And stop it. God says, shut up. Yes. Be quiet. I know they say shut up is a bad word, but sometimes you got to just shut up. I mean, you got to just shut it up. Just sit it down. Be quiet. If you ain't like your mama used to say, if you ain't got nothing good to say, then don't say nothing at all. Don't say nothing at all. Because what you're saying right now ain't helping your cause. What you're saying right now, you helping the enemy. Who team you going to play on? Yes. Don't help the enemy. Just because it's quiet. That's people like talking on the test. Start talking and and and. and them trying to cheat and do all that. That's what talking on the test gets you. It gets you kicked out the classroom. It gets you kicked out the test. 
Because you talking. Be quiet. This is a test you in. Just be quiet. Say, God, I ain't saying nothing because I don't even know what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. Don't know how I got here. Don't know how I'm going to get out of here. Don't know what I'm going to do next. But I know that you here because silence don't mean this absence. I know that you here, so I'm going to trust in you. And God, I know the silence don't mean that you ain't doing nothing. I'm just going to be quiet. And everybody else can keep on talking, but I'm going to cover my ears and I'm going to cover my mouth so I ain't saying nothing and I ain't hearing nothing but you. That's what we got to realize, what silence is for. Amen? Because lastly, right here, we remember the story that afterwards, Elijah comes back out of that cave and what happened? God had, if you read on further in the scripture, God had 7,000 more prophets or people or people of God, however you want to call it, 7,000 more people waiting for Elijah who had not bowed down to Jezebel's God. 7,000. I like that because God is saying that was a number of completion. He said, see, in my silence, when you come up out of this thing, stuff will already be complete. You ain't. That's why you surrendered in the first place. Because you gave up your will. You gave up. You trying to do everything. So give up. So when you come out, everything is already complete. It ain't going to be like when you go to jail in the natural and you come out and you're trying to regain your life and trying to get your footing back. No, when you go to God's jail, you surrender yourself to him. When you come out of his thing, when you come out of his, his, his confinement, guess what? Everything going to be complete. Everything going to be put together. Amen? Amen. See, we got to realize that silence is an opportunity for us to be diligent. That's what it's all about. It's being diligent. It's being diligent in what God wants us to do. And what God wants us to do. We can't jump out of the process. That silence scares us. So we jump out of the process because we need to hear noise. Quick wanting to hear noise all the time. Quit wanting to be busy. Quit wanting to make stuff happen. Yeah. See, some of us move ahead of God because we just want to make something happen. That's what Abraham did. He heard the promise, but now he just want to make something happen. So now him and his wife get together and say, you know what? I can't have no baby. Go over here to my woman over here and have one with her because we just need to make something happen. God said, quit trying to make something happen. You keep having all these Ishmaels in your life, and then you got to send them away because you're trying to make something happen. Why don't you wait on the Isaac? Wait on the promise. He said, if I told you I'm going to give it to you, you just got to wait on it. You just got to do your part. Be diligent. Be prayed up. Be read up. Be studied up. Be fasted up. Do your part. I'm going to handle my part. I got all that handled. Trust me, I'm God. I got all of it handled. The same way I created the earth is the same way I can create whatever in your life. He said, I got my part. Quit trying to check me. Check yourself. Check what you're doing. So if you do your part, I'm going to do my part. If you roll away your stones, I'm going to bring it back to life. But you got to do your part. If you prepare the cisterns and you pour the water in, I'm going to turn it to wine. You got to do your part. If you come to the Red Sea, I'm going to part that thing for you. You got to do your part. That's what God is saying. Be diligent in the silence. Be diligent in the silence. Real quickly, turn to turn to uh, Isaiah. Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah. And I'm closing out right here. Because see, God kept Elijah alive for a reason. Just like he's kept us for a reason. Isaiah, I say, I think 42. 42. Yeah, verse on verse 16. Isaiah 42, verse 16. And he says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. And paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them, and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do. And they go to part I love right here. And I will not leave them undone. Boom. God said, I got this. I got this. He said, if you're blind, I'm going to lead you where you don't even know where you're going. You ain't got to worry about where you're going because I'm leaving. Yeah. 
says, I'm leading the paths that you do not know. I will guide you. You just got to be diligent in walking. So you can't nobody lead you if you ain't walking. You just sitting there. They done went on ahead. God said, walk with me. He said, because then I will make the darkness into light before them. That he's walking you out of the darkness, what? Into the marvelous light. But you got to be diligent in doing the walking. Then he says, I'll make the rugged places in the plains. These are the things I will do. And I will not leave them undone. God says, I ain't, I ain't one of those folks who leave stuff half done. I don't halfway do something and then say, well, I, I didn't finish it. I ain't get to it. God is not a man that he should lie. If he said he's going to do it in your life, then guess what? He's going to do it in your life. We just got to have confidence in that thing. We just got to do it to know that no matter what, no matter what the silence says, no matter what the silence is talking about, because the silence will talk to you. The silence will tell you, God, turn it down a little bit further. The silence will tell you that God don't love you. God don't want you to have that. God don't want you to get that job. God don't want you to have that restored relationship. God don't want your children acting right. That's why he's still acting the fool. God don't want, that's why ain't nothing going on. You see, ain't nothing changed yet. That's what the silence will say to you. But we got to know that God says that even in the silence, I'm still there. Even in the silence, trust me. Even in the silence, know that I'm working it all out. And I will not leave it what? Undone. Undone. I like that. Undone. It means that if it's undone, it ain't done. God says if it ain't over in your, if it ain't fixed in your life right now, then he ain't done. If it's still undone in your life right now, then he ain't done. Amen? But we got to have confidence in that. We got to have confidence in that. The word of God says, cast not away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't let, if you can't keep nothing else in this thing, Keep your confidence knowing that, you know what? I ain't right. I don't have it together. I don't have it figured out. I don't know what's next, the next step, the next move, the next place, the next person, the next thing, but I know somebody who do know all of it. Amen? Amen. Father God, we just bless your name today. And we just thank you. Turn it up. That's what I'm I want all the people of God just to stand up right now. Stand up in your confidence. Stand up in your confidence knowing that even if I don't hear right now, I heard what the word of God says. And the word of God is true in my life. The word of God is my life. It's not these things that define me. It's not the stuff I'm waiting on that's going to make who I am. It's who God is that's already made who I am. The lack of things don't prove God loves me or don't love me. The, the abundance of things don't prove that God loves me. The only thing that proves that God loves me is because God said he does. And I got confidence in that.